Mac Power Users, Episode 258, The Apple Watch. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd alongside David Sparks. Hey, David. Hello, Katie Floyd. Is so, it time to record? Yes, it is. And you know what? This is this is your very special episode because why is that? Because you could not stop talking about the Apple Watch all the time. That's all you want to talk about was Apple Watch this, Apple Watch that. Every show, let's talk about the Apple Watch. So actually, got me thinking. I think we should do take a page from Accidental Tech Podcast and occasionally um, uh, talk about things that aren't uh, show related after the closing. So, do you like an after show? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, because sometimes because we try not to do news and stuff on the show, but you know, I, the stuff's interesting. I'm sure a lot of people would like to hear, and they could just turn it off if they don't want to. Yeah how's how's our new uh, how's our new theme music coming? Um, I'm busy. I'm really busy. Yep. Okay. I'm really busy. You know, we need to get that song a day guy to write us some music. That was yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll. I, I like that idea. I like okay. that idea. But we'll we see. We, there we go. Show planning right on air. There you so go. We'll, we'll start doing that, but not today because today we're talking about the Apple Watch, and that's the one thing I want to talk about. Yeah. But you you had a few announcements before that. Like uh you are going to be, I'm very jealous, at WWDC. Yeah, because there was no Macworld this year and I decided, you know, since my new employer has a very liberal policy, I'll be packing up my little uh, MacBook, heading up to my uh, hotel up in San Francisco and probably be doing your, a little your bit hotel of... with the shared public communal bathroom. Yeah, right? I, I kind of made a big deal about that. Then I think about it. <laughs> uh, so I'll be heading up to um, to San Francisco for WWDC, and uh, I'll be doing a little bit of legal work, a little bit of hanging out with my nerd friends. But it's I'm looking forward to it. And that's yeah. the week of June eighth. If you're going to be there and you see me around, please say hello. And I'm also um, I'm not sure if it's public yet, but I'll go ahead and make it. I'm going to uh, give a little talk at the Alt Comp, which is the um, the alternative conference, I guess, for developers. I'll be talking about boring legal stuff for developers, but that's uh, a little thing I'm going to be doing while I'm up there too. And everybody, please resubscribe. I know we keep banging the drum on this, but you know we made that big network switch, and we just want to make sure we don't lose you. So if you go to MP, I'm sorry, if you go to relay.fm slash MPU. You can, there's a big button there, press it. You can resubscribe to our feed. Please do that. Yes. Did I miss anything? I think you got it all. Oh, you were on the talk show. That's a pretty big deal. Yeah, that was exciting to be on the talk show with John Gruber. We'll put that in the show notes. We talked about uh, the watch and uh, my life changes and the new MacBook and photos. We talked about a lot of stuff. It went a long time. It was really fun. We kind of both gotten giggle fits a couple of times, which, uh, I'm not sure how good a radio it is, but it was a lot of fun recording. Yeah, I think I think they cut some of that out, but it was good. It was all good. Yeah. Okay. Um, so this is the show about the Apple Watch. We've been threatening to do it for a couple of weeks now. And uh, one of the things I wanted to do was wait until we had both used it a while. Um, I didn't want to have like 24 hour uh, experience with it before we started really trying to talk to people about it. So instead we decided to wait. So we both had been using it two or three weeks and we have, um, so before we get into it, I just, the first thing I'd like to say about the Apple watch is that this is another version one product from Apple. And isn't it fun getting version one products from Apple? It's not so bad. It's great. Oh man. I get excited. I, I like it when they decide to go into something new. Um, uh, call me a fanboy or whatever you want. I do believe that the people at Apple really try when they try to get into something new, they don't just 
you know, put something out there. They actually spend a lot of time trying to think about how to make it a better experience. And uh, I like being the beneficiary of that. I also kind of like being part of the iterative process that is these things. I remember getting the first iPhone, the first iPad, and I've got the first watch on. So uh, just to tell you what a geek I am, I, I couldn't wait to get one of these. Um, so yeah, I, you I, actually, you didn't get your watch day one, did you? No, I didn't. That was kind of funny. Um, my uh, I, So my wife wanted one too. And I, I was up in air, up in the air about which one to get, whether to get the steel one or the aluminum one. I was really leaning steel the whole time. And, you know, the night that I was getting ready to order, I was thinking, well, you know, here's a guy who just quit his job. You know, maybe I don't need to buy a $700 watch right now. And, um, and I was buying one for my wife too. So I ended up kind of at the last minute, uh, at really at midnight, you know, cause it was Pacific time. Uh, I bought the, uh, black aluminum, uh, with the black band and Daisy. Is, that, is that the Darth Vader watch or is that the Darth Vader light watch? I, I think they, I, I that's can't like keep the, a track. I think they call it Darth Vader on a budget or something like that. It, but it's, <laughs> but, it's, it's the geek watch because I, I have seen reports come out and you know, who knows where these people get their analysis from, but, but that apparently was the watch. That was the most popular watch that was ordered. Your specific configuration, 42 millimeter aluminum black with black sport band. I was really thinking about getting the blue one with the uh, silver aluminum. And my uh, my daughter, who's my uh, consultant on these matters, says, no, dad, get the black one. Yeah, and now, what is it about the blue one? Because a lot of people went with the blue and and I without I don't want to get in trouble and I don't want to poo poo anybody's decision. But I don't see the appeal of the blue. I don't know. It's a pretty color. Okay. I don't know. The um, My wife got the blue one. And she got the blue 38 Never mind. Dis- disregard everything that I just <laughs> said. I was just kidding. So she got the blue one. My daughter bought her own. She got the white one. And theirs arrived on day one. The, they were 38 millimeter white and blue. Uh, yeah. The 42 uh, it arrived for me like, so I think it arrived like the Wednesday after the Friday of launch day. And I, and I ordered them all within minutes of midnight when they went on sale. And uh, Daisy was nice enough to say, okay, uh, Mr. Geek, you can go ahead and wear mine, you know, for a while. So when it first showed up, uh, I, I wore a 38 millimeter blue one for a couple of days. I mean, even I think I gave it back to her Monday morning and then I didn't have one for a few days because, you know, I wanted her to be able to wear her own watch. But I did wear it for the first weekend. And then I, I got my black one a few days later. And And one of the nice things about that was the ability to try the 38 and 42 millimeter sizes for an extended period of time. And the two observations on that is number one is they're both smaller than you think if you haven't been into a store. And I think part of it's because if you go on the Apple website, they photograph them so big that they they look like they're huge and you get in the store and neither one of them are really that big. Uh, the 38 millimeter was fine on me. It looked okay. Um, it didn't look too small, uh, but I didn't like the smaller screen and it was harder for me to press the buttons, you know, because I have you know, sausage fingers, apparently. And um, I didn't do extensive battery tests comparing them, but I, I know the 42 millimeter does have a big, a little bit of a bigger battery. And um, I just, I think the 42 is the right size for me, having worn them both. Now, I'm curious um, what your daughter and your wife think about the 38. Do they, do they want something bigger or do they think the 38 is the right size? They're both perfectly happy with it. Yeah, because I've got the 38. In my case, I've got the 38 stainless steel, and I'll talk a little bit about that decision. 
I cannot imagine going up to the 42. And I realize the 42 is not that much bigger, but the 38 is a good bit bigger than the standard watch that I wore before. And I've gotten used to it. I'm okay with it, but I would not want anything any larger than this 38 on my wrist. The, um, and, and so I've just got at this point, the floral Lastimer black band, which is great. Uh, it does. I do, you know, I get sweaty. It does get wet underneath sometimes, but it's not that bad. And, um, I'm pretty happy with the band. I, I know there's going to be kind of an active market for third party bands. We had a, uh, a, a listener write in saying that, um, he has the same one I did and he bought the blue leather, uh, band and he really likes it. Um, but I, um, I don't really know. I, I'm, I'm happy with the black floor elastomer right now. And maybe at some point in the future, I'll look at some alternative bands, but it's just doesn't feel like a big deal to me. I've already been to court with it on with the, you know, rubber band and nobody notices. Yeah. I got to tell you that the floor elastomer band has been probably the biggest pleasant surprise of the Apple watch to me on a number of factors. Number one, it is I know people have said this, it is remarkably comfortable and it has just gotten more comfortable. I found after about a week, it it seemed to just really kind of mold in and get more comfortable around my wrist. I don't know if you've had that same experience as well, but I've actually find that mine has, um, has loosened up a little bit. And so I'm now wearing it a whole tighter than I did when I initially bought the watch. But well, it's, it's just, it's incredibly comfortable that I actually forget that I'm wearing it sometimes. I, I find that, um, that, you know, it varies during the day. Sometimes I loosen it and tighten it just depends you know, on the time of day. So, well, yeah, apparently... and, and you know, we're, we're humans, we're ugly bags of mostly water and we swell and we shrink and things happen. Yeah. Bag of tubes, as they say, but the, um, yeah, it's, it's all good. And, uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the band. I'm not, looking for a new one just yet. And I'm glad to see that Apple is going to be supporting third-party bands. That's a bit of news that's come out since the watch released is, Hey, you know, um, Apple has a program where you can, you know, create your own bands and they will sell you the lugs that the, the, and the lug is the part that slides into the watch body itself. Because one concern I've had about this growing crop of third-party bands we're seeing come, you know, come out from third-party manufacturers is, I don't know how tight their tolerance is for that fitting. And this is a $400 piece of electronics on my wrist. And I don't want to buy a band, you know, buy a $20 band that doesn't fit in there properly. And the thing ends up falling off me. You know, I've had that happen once I lost a watch that way where it just, you know, the band kept coming loose and I would catch it. And then one day I looked down and it just, what my watch wasn't on my wrist anymore. So there have been um, a few people who have reported that they've they've had those issues with their Apple Watch that the it, the lug, I guess, for lack of a better word, uh, I guess that's what Apple is calling it, that it, it's not quite catching that their band is defective. In fact, I think John Gruber talked about that as, you know, he's got a loaner watch from Apple. But when his arrived, the, the lug in his sport band was defective and didn't catch. And unfortunately, I guess, or fortunately that it was he and him. But the Apple store didn't have a replacement that they could give him because some of these are so, so supply constrained. I mean, fortunately he had a loaner watch from Apple, which not many people do. Yeah. But I mean, Apple will stand behind it. Whereas some of these third parties aren't. So, so this program that Apple's announced is where they will be providing the lugs and then other third parties can make the bands. And I could see this turning into something. I mean, I could see like very high fashion brands. I mean, you could see a Tiffany's Apple watch band or maybe, 
Banana Republic. I mean, who knows? I, it would seem to me like a variety of price points where people could make interesting bands for the watch. And if the watch really takes off, which it, it seems to be doing, um, we'll have a lot of options. Once again, you know, this is a, an advantage for Apple users where with the Android, uh, the platform is so fractured with so many phones that you really can't find many cases. We, we just went through that recently where um, a Daisy wanted a new case for her phone and we were at of course disneyland and she wanted a mickey one and uh we were looking at they've got like six racks of iphone cases and they had like seven android cases for you know so you get like very very few uh, choices so i think we're going to get that for the watch too hopefully where you've got a lot of different bands available um but you know the one that it, that ships with it is just fine and i'm not in a big hurry to replace it at this point I ordered a Melanese loop and as we're talking today, it's, it's actually on the UPS truck on its way here. It, it should be here tomorrow morning. So I'm, I'm a little upset that I didn't get it in time for recording our episode. And I'm not real sure why I uh, ordered the watch that, that Friday. Well, actually for me, it was that wee morning of, of Friday. Cause it was, it was 3am for me. Uh, and then that following Sunday, I went to a try on appointment, tried on the Melanese loop, decided that that was the one that I wanted and ordered it there in the store using Apple pay on the, on the iPhone app. Uh, and so that was what the, when did they go on sale? May 10th, I think, or, or April 10th, I think is when they went on sale. So that would be the, the 12th or so of April. And I'm, I'm just now getting it as we're recording this. It's, it's going to be May 19th before it, it finally shows up. So I thought that was a long time to wait for a band. I'm surprised that the bands also are, are so supply constrained. Although I have been very pleasantly surprised with the, uh, with the sport band, I am looking forward to getting that Melanie's loop because I, I, the, the stainless steel watch, I, I'm, I went back and forth as to whether I wanted the aluminum because it was less expensive or the stainless steel because it was a little dressier. I am so happy I got the stainless steel. And I know functionally they're the same, but I really feel like the stainless steel really dresses this up. It, for me, it makes it look like a dressy watch as opposed to just a standard sports watch. And I think the Melanese Loop is really going to add to that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I was told by several friends inside Apple beforehand that, you know, there's a significant difference between the stainless steel and the aluminum in terms of just the look. And also you've got a better, um, you've got the, um, what, I forget, what's the name of the cover? I've sapphire. Got the glass. The you've sapphire. got sapphire on yours. You've so got it's the more ion and infused yeah. sapphire glass. Yeah. And, and yours is, um, yours is more scratch resistant than mine. Uh, all that being said, I, I, I don't think there's really a wrong decision here. If you want to get the stainless steel, go get it and don't feel bad about it. And if you want to save a few bucks and get the aluminum one, you're going to be really happy with that too. Uh, with the black aluminum, I, I think, you know, on the subject of bands, I don't think there's going to be a lot of bands that are going to go that well with it. Like, you know, in terms of the way the lugs look, where they connect with the watch, if you're fidgety about that stuff, I, I think you're not going to be happy with many options. But I, I think uh, the black definitely limits your band choice. But uh, the overall, the hardware, we haven't really kind of got into it, but the hardware design, I think, is just fantastic on this thing. It's got a, um, you know, it's, 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 it's a little thick. It's not as thick as it, I thought it was going to be when I saw the original pictures. But, I mean, you've got to put a battery in it, and they still have to obey the laws of physics. Um, it's, it's nice, rounded edges. It feels good under your fingers. Um, there's two buttons, in essence. You know, you've got the digital crown, and you've got the button underneath. And they both work great. I really like the resistance of the digital crown. You know, I think it's just tight enough and just loose enough, if that makes any sense. I don't know how they figured that out. Yeah. Now, you had an issue with your digital crown, though. Do yes. you want to talk about that? 
Sure, I, I spilled El Bondi Goss soup on it. Pardon, <laughs> pardon me? I, um, we were... Um, we were having to, one of my favorite meals. Who cares about this stuff? But the uh, my wife, when it gets cold out, which rarely happens in Southern California, we had yeah, a, it's kind of ninety five degrees here. We had a cold spell just just a few days ago, and it rained, and it was kind of nice. You know, we built a fire, and we we're all happy. And I said, "Honey, please make Albondiga soup. She makes this great soup." And um, and I had my hand. I don't know what was wrong with me. I was, I was resting my hand up on the table, which you know my mother told me never to do. Uh, and it was like kind of rested across. So it was behind, it was between my chest and the bowl. So I had my watch right in the line of fire and I got bumped or something and just spilled a whole spoonful of soup right on top of the watch. Yeah. And, um, I'm like, well, that wasn't very good. And I wiped it off and everything seemed fine. And I didn't think about it. And I woke up the next morning and every time I go to twist the digital crown, it would it wouldn't move it was kind of sticky and then once i kind of got it to budge then it would move just fine and uh, you know i did what every geek does i went out to twitter and told hey my thing is sticking what am i supposed to do with this and everybody sent me a link to the apple support article that says you know wash it under warm water no soap don't add anything else and um i figured why not so i went into the restroom got some warm water ran the watch under it and then i just kind of twisted the crown while it was underneath the warm water and um, dried it off and didn't have any more problem. So uh, that's a bit of a water test. There was a, a much better water test that's online. We'll put a link in the show notes where I forget the guy's name, but he really took a task. He swam like a thousand meters with it on. He dove in off a 10 meter high dive. And then he had a, a rig at his house that he could simulate uh, depth, you know, using pressure. And so he was able to simulate a 40 meter depth which is way beyond what the watch is recommended for. And it did just fine. And he, you know, removed the pressure, took the watch out and it still worked. I mean, I don't know if that's ultimately going to cause the watch to have a shorter life. I mean, these are electronics and things bend and heat up and shrink and, you know, who knows, but, but, you know, for most of us, I think you're just fine if it gets a little wet once in a while. Now, just to be clear, not an endorsement. We do not recommend that you swim with your watch. We do not recommend that you jump off a high dive with your watch. We do not recommend that you shower with your watch, although I know that you do and that Tim Cook does. You know, just. No. I, I don't shower with my watch. Do with your, I thought you said you did. No, no I did. I, when I when I wrote up on that article, I said, no, I don't shower with it because I just I mean, why? I mean, I don't need. To, right. I, I don't need a text message while I'm taking a shower. Well, you never know. Um, the, Might uh, do something important. I do. Uh, okay, this is getting weird. But the uh, Merlin man turned me on to this. There's there's waterproof paper. Did you know that? Oh, dear. I have a thing I hang in the shower. And sometimes I think of something in there and I write it down on a piece of paper in the shower. Is that weird? You're going to have to put a link to that in the show notes. Uh, well, <laughs> that's so weird. <laughs> when that, when they came in, Daisy's like, what is wrong with you? But it works. So, you know, so many things. I have a lot on my mind, Katie Floyd. I have a lot going on up there. <laughs> so I write it down. Then I don't, I can move on with, you know, shampoo. But the, uh, no, I don't shower with it on. I did say in that article that I, I don't take it off to do the dishes. Yeah. I that's one of my jobs. I do the dishes. And, um. And somebody wrote me and said, you should take it off when you do this because you're using a lot of soap and things and that's not good. And so now I'm a little nervous about even doing the dishes with it. But then I watched this guy swimming a thousand meters and everything. And I'm thinking it's probably not that big of a deal. 
Yeah. Now, have you uh, scuffed yours? And and I know we're talking a lot about the watch hardware, and we'll move on. In fact, we will shortly after this. But have you noticed any scuffed on yours? I was I was worried particularly about yours because it's got that black powder coating on top of it. No. Uh, currently, none. I gave it a really good whack against a doorknob a few days ago. I was just walking out of the room and, you know, it's my wrist is at doorknob height and, and, um, I whacked the glass against it and I was thinking, okay, well, there's my first scratch. You know, the first scratch is good because you get that out of the way and then you don't, you're not so hung up on it and I didn't scratch it. Whatever they did to this glass, it's pretty strong. Um, but I, I don't have any marks on it, you know, yet knock on wood. Although I did, like I say, spill all bondi soup on it. Yeah. Now I have noticed I've got a few scuffs or maybe it's just one long scuff on it and it's not very noticeable but it's one of those things that I notice cuz I see it all the time and but I have to go looking for it not on the glass or the sapphire of my watch but on the stainless steel edge right next to the glass and I'm pretty sure I know when that happened because I think like you I ca- I caught it in a door jam Well I I remember I had one of those stainless steel iPods years ago it was like you know the 20 gigabyte you know, the one of the older iPods, right, I think yeah. it, might, it might even been before the video and, and, it, or, or the, I think maybe it was a second generation iPod nano. Now, you know, it's all become a blur to me, but it was scratched so much by the time I was done with it, that it, it really had its own texture, you know, just from all the scratches on it. And that's something I thought about. That was kind of a, a ding against the steel watch for me is that it was so polished. I was thinking you're going to see every little scratch on that thing. Yeah. Now but, I have um, seen several people say that um, with a little polish, you can you can get most of these surface scratches off the stainless steel watch. Yeah, that would make sense. And I'm not, you know, riding off the stainless steel. Maybe in a year or two, when the, you know, maybe next generation or after that, um, I'll do it. But but for now, I'm happy with the aluminum. I I just overall, I'm really happy with the design. I love the way the bands change. I mean, it's like. I've seen swappable band watches before. I have one. My wife got me a few years ago for Father's Day, and I got two or three bands. And they're all very rickety. I mean, they've got this funny pin system, and it just seems really kind of um, insecure. And ever since I lost that one watch with a bad pin, I've always you know, been sensitive to that. Where I feel like this band swapping system is great. I mean, why? how come nobody invented this before? Or maybe they did, and I just never saw it. But I just think they really, uh, like I was saying at the beginning of the show, you know, it's a ger- version one device, but Apple has brought their own spin to a lot of pieces of this. And we haven't even talked about the software yet, so we need to get there. But before we do, um, let's take a minute and talk about our first sponsor today, and that's our friends over at Hover. Now, uh, domain names have always been kind of mysterious. If you think of something great you want to make or you want to do on the Internet, you want to get a domain name for it, you don't know exactly where to go to get it. Well, I'm telling you right now, you need to go over to Hover. When you've got a great idea and you want to secure a domain name, just go over to Hover and they'll take care of you. There's a lot of people out there that can cause a lot of problems for you when you buy a domain because they make this thing. It's like a... It's like a test to get through when you buy a new domain service and they keep adding services onto it and they make it sound like you need them when you don't, or they make it sound like you don't need them when you do and they add extra fees and it just gets really crazy. Um, Hover is like the good guys of that business. They're the ones that say, you know, here's your domain. We're going to give you just what you need and nothing more. It's one fee and you're done. And Hover covers every possible service you want. They've got a huge variety of domain extensions like .com, .net, .io, country codes, the best suit you need. You'll get a smart control panel 
built-in DNS, and you can even add custom email or Google Apps if you want as well. Um, one of the things I really like about Hover is you may have in the past not gone to Hover and bought a domain from somebody else. And you're not happy with the way they're treating you. And then you want to get out of there. You want to go over to Hover. That's what I did because I had bought a bunch of domains from another provider. And once again, they just they were so creepy the way they tried to you know keep me in their service. Whereas Hover, they just help you make the conversion. In fact, I told Hover, hey, my old service, they're not making it easy for me. And what they said, they said, no problem. We'll take care of it for you. And they did. They called it the valet transfer service. So Hover makes it possible to move your domains and they'll do it for you at no additional cost. They do all the dirty work and moving your domain over from your current registrar. And to top it off, Hover has a real human being available for support with no wait, no hold, no transfer phone service. Um, it can be really scary when you're moving an existing domain. I did this with the MaxBarkey.com domain, which is you know a big part of how I make my living. And I didn't want anything to go wrong. I knew the guy's name at Hover. He had my cell phone number. I could call him. He got on the phone with my old um, registrar and he took care of it for me and it just felt great. So go over to Hover, sign up for your domains. If you've got existing domains somewhere else, get them over to Hover and they will give you 10% off your first purchase if you use the code three circles. Okay, you got to spell it out. T-H-R-E-E-C-I-R-C-L-E-S. So three circles. Remind them to spell it out. So thank you to Hover for supporting Mac Power users. You know, three circles like... The I the activity on the iPhone. We're going to talk about that later. Yeah, you want three full circles. <laughs> anyway, Hover's great. Thanks for uh, all that support. And now that we've kind of covered the hardware, let's talk about some of the the software here. And maybe even before that, let's talk about the watch as as a timepiece. Now, did you wear a watch regularly? I mean, I know you wear the Pebble for a while, but before you got into the smartwatch thing, were you a regular watch wearer? I have been a uh, watch wear pretty much the whole run. Yeah, I've always worn one. I, I just like the idea of looking at my wrist and knowing what time it is. Um, yeah, me me too. Now, I've the Apple Watch is my first smartwatch. I know you've worn a Pebble for a while. Yeah, and that really, I I, I don't want to go into it in great length. I was the original supporter of Pebble with Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah. We, we've, we, did I talk about that on the show? So, so many so, times. <laughs> The well, anyway. orange, and then they were in the store first, and you were yeah, mad. Okay, okay, and, yeah. okay I won't do that. But but like, what the the tipping point for me was MacWorld 2014. So that was like March of last year, and I went there, and I'd given up on Pebble, and all of my friends were wearing Pebbles, and they said, and I said the software was terrible. How can you deal with that? And they're like, no, it's way better now. So I've, I've been wearing a Pebble for about a year, but I also have some nice, you know, Timex type watches um, that I wear as well sometimes. And, um, I've worn them both. Uh, one thing about the pebble that I didn't like was it was very difficult to keep, keep it connected to the iPhone. But, um, either way, uh, so I've been wearing watches for a long time. I've always been kind of fidgety about bands because like on my laptop, a laptop I had years ago, I just scratched the heck out of it because I had a metal band and, um, and I was very, you know, finicky about that. I always like worn leather bands with my watches. Uh, but, uh, as a timepiece, how does the Apple Watch stack up for you? It tells the time. I mean, I'm I'm not real sure what else you want it to do other than that. I I really I'm using the I'm using an analog face, which I know some people think is is weird on a digital watch. Um, I kind of like the swooping second hand because uh, you know I've I've never had really expensive analog watches, so it's kind of nice to to have that. 
That's my it, first swooping second hand yeah, too. It's my, funny. my big tickers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I, you know, it's it's a fine timepiece. I think the the only mild annoyance, which I certainly understand and can live with, is the fact that it's not an always on timepiece. You know, you you have to raise your wrist to be able to see it, and that works for me most of the time. Uh, occasionally, it it doesn't quite recognize a wrist raise, and I have to jiggle it or I have to to tap the watch face. And I know that's also a setting as well that that you can turn off the the raise to to turn on feature and make it be a tap. Or sometimes if I'm sitting and I if I'm at my desk and I'm sitting and I just twist my wrist more often than not, sometimes it it doesn't show. But it does what it's supposed to do. It it tells me the time and it's very accurate. And I never yeah. have to set it. Well, that issue you raised to me is kind of a it's not a, a deal break or anything, but it, it is a problem that when you raise your wrist and it doesn't tell you the time. So the Apple watch is a timepiece doesn't always work. And, and that's not, it's not the majority of the time, but it is a significant minority of the time. 20% say, maybe. Yeah. I'd say about 20% uh, when you raise it, it. And I think, and I talked about this on the talk show. I feel like that at Apple, their big deal was battery life and they just wanted to make sure that, no matter what the thing never has a battery problem and they succeeded. We'll talk about battery life later, but um, I think it could be a little less. Um, I think it could be a little more sensitive to turning on when you, when you raise your wrist, but I'll tell um, you, I trigger it all the time when driving. It's, it's almost always, I, I tend to drive with my left hand and it's almost always on when I'm driving. Yeah. But um, well, I guess let's just talk about battery life now then for a second. Have you ever had a battery life problem with since you got the watch? No, never. I mean, I, I looked last night when I went to bed. I had a full day yesterday. I went to bed. I had 40% battery left. So, you know, I couldn't even tell you how much battery I have left because I've stopped looking. I looked the first couple of days and after the first couple of days when it was consistently in the 40s or more, I stopped. Yeah. So it's it's not a big deal if it goes on a few more times. Uh, I, I would like it to be. Um, I guess the word is more or less sensitive, less or, conservative. Yeah. Less conservative. Okay. It's, uh, it's turning on when I twist my wrist. Cause sometimes I twist my wrist and I don't know what time it is. I don't like that. Um, uh, other than that, it's great. Uh, I like the sweepy secondhand too. I've always used an analog watch. Even my digital watches. I've even when I had a pebble, I had an analog face on it. So I don't even find that odd where people say, well, why would you have a digital watch and have a display, you know, traditional watch hands. That's the way I look at the time. I don't know. Um, the uh, I did play with the modular face quite a bit, thinking, well, maybe that'll be what I need to use with an Apple Watch, but it ultimately didn't stick with me. I've got a modular face um, saved. That's my second favorite face, I think. And I can definitely see a place for different watch faces. Uh, and, and I know we'll talk about this a little later in the outline, but this may be a good time of any. I, I use the simple face as my primary face. That's just the one that's that stuck with me. Um, I know most people use the utility face, but I like the simple. I've always had watches with Roman numerals or or no numerals, so I don't I don't like the uh, the Arabic numerals on, on my watch. But so that's why I've used the simple face. I, I, I know where the numbers are. I, I don't need to have them spelled out for me, but, um, I think the modular face has a place and I can especially see switching over to the modular face. For example, like when I'm traveling or when I have a special, when I'm away from home or when I have an especially busy day, just because of the way it presents information. Does that make sense to have different faces for different uses? Yeah, totally. I would, when we go to Disneyland, I put the Mickey Mouse face on. Yeah. And I have no complications because I'm supposed to be there having fun with my wife and kids. So I, 
I don't want to see my next meeting or alarm or whatever. Although I may put the, I may put the sunset time on that one. Now that I think about it, but anyway, the, um, uh, no, I, I agree. Uh, so I, I've played with modular and it's nice, but I actually like the utility face and I don't have any numbers displaying. I have it kind of dialed down to the most conservative. It's just the ticks. And we're going to talk about complications and, and some more of this stuff later in the outline, but just in general, the utility watch face, when I saw the videos and the demos, even before the watch came out, that's the one that kind of called out to me from the beginning. And that's the one that stuck with me. I've tried a lot of the others. I tried the simple one for a few days. I tried, you know, cause I'm a nerd. I can't help myself. I tried the modular one for a few days. I, you know, I tried them all for a little bit. The, uh, the chronograph is my least favorite. I, I can't read it. It's just too, um, there's not enough contrast. You know, the hands are, are hollow, you know, they're, so it's just very thin outlines and it's harder for me to look at that and see what time it is very quickly. So that one doesn't go like when I had a, when I had a, before the Apple watch, if I wasn't wearing a pebble, the, um, the Timex I wore was just a really simple Timex. I think I paid like 20 bucks for it, but it had a really nice clean design. And it was very easy to read. And that's, I'm always looking for that in a watch. Just out of curiosity, what, what do you like so much about the utility face? Because if you, if you simplify the utility face, it, it shares a lot of the same characteristics as the simple face, but you have one less complication. Although you do, you do get the advantage of you've got the, you've got the whole bottom row for the calendar if you want that. Yeah. And I use that. Uh, I use that for next meeting notification. I want to see what it is. And I don't care for the tick marks on the simple face. Okay. It's just a personal preference thing. Well, and, I, and that's the great thing is that if, if you haven't, although I'm sure most of our listeners are aware, is that these watch faces are very customizable. Like the utility face looks very, very different with no numbers. And so if you look at a face initially and you say, mm, I really don't like that at all, try customizing it because the utility face very, very different without numbers. Yeah, they're, they're all very customizable. Uh, and what color do you use for your offset? Blue. Like yeah, blue. I'm, I'm using the orange for the second hand and the number and with the utility face. Everything else is in white. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I like it. I, I don't know if we'll ever be able to see additional watch faces. One of the things that was nice on the Pebble was third-party watch faces and most of them were terrible, but a couple of them were really interesting and innovative. So I hope that there's some way for people to, even if it gets, you know, checked by Apple or if it, they have to go through some kind of approval process, it would be nice to see people who have an interesting idea be able to get a new face on the watch. But there's a lot of people saying that that's never going to happen. Yeah, um, I think I saw this on Steve Sheridan's watch on on Twitter because you know there was that that trending theme of of show me your face. He he, I think had a good idea, and I might be misreading what he did, but he had a an analog face, and I think it was the chronograph face, which you mentioned was can be a little bit hard to read. And one of his complications was um, the world clock, but set in his own time zone. Yeah, that makes no sense to me. Well, but it's it's so you have your own time zone in a in a current, you know. Yeah, I know, but yeah. I mean, you have to if you've got to put it on there because you can't read it then just go with the modular face. Uh, I don't know, just saying. Yeah. It's an option. Okay. Um so as a timepiece, I think we both think it's a great timepiece. I'm not I I wish it was a little more sensitive. I want to get that number of times that I have to deal with it where I look at my wrist and it doesn't tell me the time. I want that to go down. 
I agree. And, you know, I think we heard from Mark Gurman recently that Apple is preparing uh, Apple Watch software update. The, keep in mind, this is a 1.0 product. We're going to see we're going to see 1.0.1 with lots of bug fixes and, you know, 1.0.2 and then 1.1. You know, we're, we're going to see a lot of these come and, and the first round is going to be bug fixes. It's yeah. The other thing I'd like on that is I wouldn't mind, this is also on the battery life thing, is I wouldn't mind if it stayed lit up a little bit longer. When you just twist your wrist, I haven't timed it, but I think it's like six or seven seconds it goes out. Yeah, five or six seconds. Now, here's the problem with that, though, is, is that if you start giving people customization options, on one hand, I'm all in favor of giving us customization options, battery life is going to start to go down, and then people are going to complain. And Apple's going to Apple's going to be in a catch 22 because they're going to say, but, but, but you're the one who's causing this because you're the one who's changing this. Uh, you know, you, sometimes you can't tell people anything. Well, I mean, they've got millions of them out there now, and I'm sure they're collecting data about how much battery life people have when they go to bed. And if it's like you and me and they're at 40 percent, I wouldn't make it an option. I would just say, OK, instead of five seconds, leave it on for eight seconds and make it, you know, 10 percent more likely to turn on when you twist your wrist. Yeah, I will tell and just you see that, what happens. Yeah. On on the days that um, I use. Well, it's kind of sometimes. Yes, sometimes. No. On the days that I use the the workout app extensively, um, my battery is a lot less because when you when you select a workout it is more regularly monitoring your heartbeat i think by default it monitors your heartbeat once every 15 minutes but yet when you're actively in a workout it does it much more frequently i think every minute or two um and so if you're working out for an hour or more uh, that's that's going to drain your your battery pretty extensively now the way that i've gotten around that is what i'll typically do is when i come in to take a shower after i've worked out I'll throw my watch on the charger while I'm in the shower. And that typically more than makes up for anything because it charges so quickly. Great idea. Great idea. Because I'm not wearing it in the shower anyway. So Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's smart. The, um, when I bought it, I was thinking I would need to get an extra charger for the car. And, you know, I was, I'm always like panicked about battery life. And I just don't even think about it with this thing because it, it's always working. And I definitely want to talk about um, fitness. It has a fitness device later but uh before we do that let's talk about notifications um, well I, I think notifications could take a while let me ask you one more question about this and and then maybe we'll go into notifications speaking of just throwing in all the charger real quick are you using a, a charger uh, other than i'm sorry are you, you using it yeah obviously you're <laughs> using a charger let me rephrase are you using any of those specialized chargers like i know 12 south came out with a with a holder no. for the charger and some of those things no i none of them have seemed that appealing to me i've got the uh the charger. And I guess that's another advantage of the steel one is you could actually, uh, mine is plastic where yours is, I think, stainless or something, the right. uh, charger you get. But the, uh, you know, it's just, it's next to the bed and I've got my, my dock there for my phone. And at night I put the phone in the dock and the watch on top of the charger and I'm good. Now, one of the things that, that I've done is I've, I've got a bedside table. I've actually, because my, my bedside table is made out of pretty nice wood. I don't want to scratch it and I'm afraid of scratching it with the charger. So I've, I've still got the bottom half of my Apple watch box, which I know my box is different from your box because mine was a square box because my stainless steel watch came in a little bit different packaging. And so I've, I've just got the, that, the watch sitting in that box and using that as the charger. I'm, I'm a little torn. I think I'm going to do one of two things. I'm, I might buy one of these charging docks, but like you, I don't really see one that I like a lot to to justify the expense of buying one. The other thing that I'm thinking about doing is just getting like a, a little leather um, 
catch-all to put on my nightstand um, and, and putting the watch and the charger in there. And I've got a little, um, a little clip on the back of my nightstand with just a sticky tab, one of those cable management sticky tabs. And um, I think Cable Drop makes them. And that way it keeps the, the charger from falling back behind the nightstand. It's funny now that I've got this small laptop I've got in my little nightstand. I have a perfect slot to charge that as well. So I go to bed, I've got a watch, a phone, an iPad, and a Mac all charging like within a meter of my head. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad. Maybe I'll one day regret that. But uh, it's nice. All my stuff is close by. So it's like in a drawer? Sort of. It's got like a little opening underneath and it's just, it just fits just right. So I can put the, um, I can put the, the laptop under there and I've got the charging cable in there and I get by a day on a charge on the laptop as well. So it's okay. The, the, the act of charging it every day for me is not a problem because I was never the guy who wore his watch to bed anyway. I don't, when I sleep at night, I don't want anything on my wrist. So uh, whether I were putting in a drawer before or putting on my nightstand now, a charger is no difference. Yeah. Okay. Daisy one day forgot to charge hers and the next day, you know, she said, well, let's just see how far she got to two o'clock the next day. And then it went down. So it's, you need to charge it every day if you're going to get one of these. All right. Well, so you want to talk about notifications. I think that could go on for a while because I have lots of thoughts on notifications. Okay. Well, why don't so, we do a sponsor read first then? Yeah. So before we talk about notifications, uh, let's talk about SaneBox because actually SaneBox is relevant because it helps me cut down significantly on my notifications. So SaneBox is a service that will keep you from going completely insane with all of the emails that you receive. Uh, SaneBox is great email filtering. And what SaneBox is going to do is help you keep better tabs on your inbox and make sure that what gets in your inbox is only what really matters. So when you sign up for a SaneBox account, it's going to connect to your email service. And it works with just about any type of email service. You can connect it to iCloud, you can connect it to Gmail, you can connect it uh, to an Exchange server, you know, just about any kind of IMAP server. SaneBox works with almost all of them. And the first thing that SaneBox is going to do is it's going to give you a Sane Later folder. And what the Sane Later folder will do is it will filter out email based on what it's learned from your habits and your contacts are likely going to be less important email. So what ends up in your inbox is only email that really matters. And once you get the hang of using the Sane Later folder, then you can create custom filter folders. So for example, I've got a custom filter folder for all of the feedback from Mac Power users that it goes into a custom Sane folder, SaneBox training folder. So I can keep that, that uh, email segregated and separate from all of my other email. SaneBox also has uh, a separate um, folder for the Sane black hole. So for example, if you've got on somebody's email list somehow, you can throw somebody in the Sane black hole and you will never hear from them ever again. You don't have to worry about clicking on a dodgy unsubscribe link or anything like that. Uh, one of the features that I use often with SaneBox is the snooze function. So for example, I had to leave the office at about two o'clock today for a meeting after work, and I still had emails in my inbox that I hadn't yet had an opportunity to process. I threw, threw them in the snooze folder, and they're going to show back up in my inbox at uh, 8 a.m. tomorrow morning because uh, I put them in the same tomorrow folder. So they'll pop back up in my inbox the next business day so that I can deal with them. I've also got a same um, next week folder so I can do the same things with emails that come in 
over the weekend. Um, and they've also got sane reminders. So for example, if you send somebody an email and maybe they're not the best at getting back to you, you can CC or BCC like one week at sanebox.com or, uh, January, or June 15th at sanebox.com. And if that person hasn't replied to you yet, uh, sanebox will send you a little tickler reminder saying, uh, Hey, David hasn't gotten back to you yet. You may want to follow up. Not saying I use that with David, just saying it's something that you could. Uh, so Sanebox is great. They can do so much more. It's really hard to explain, but you know what? I really don't have to because you can try it out yourself. You can go to sanebox.com slash MPU. You'll get a two-week free trial if you head over there. Uh, and if you sign up using that link, you're going to save $10 on any plan. That's enough for almost two free months, depending on the plan that you purchase. They've got various plans for different types of people and different types of needs, no matter what you you need, they've got a plan that'll work for you and their plans start as low as $4 a month. So if you're having trouble getting your email under control, take a look at SaneBox. It has made a tremendous difference in my life. Uh, and thank you, SaneBox, for your support of Mac Power users. Okay, so let's talk a bit about notifications. The um, you know, One of the big advantages of the Apple Watch for everybody is it allows you to keep your phone in your pocket. And uh, having used a Pebble for about a year, um, I, I got very quickly uh, adjusted to the idea of having notifications on my wrist. However, the problem with the Pebble was it wasn't consistent. And I, I really blame that kind of on Apple because, you know, they're, they're not first party with Pebble and they're not going to be saying, hey, Pebble guys, why don't you come over here and spend a week in our engineering department so we can always make sure that we keep that connection with Pebble Watch. You know, it's not their job. And um, whereas with the Apple Watch, it is their job. And the rock solid connection between the Apple Watch and the phone is one of the real selling points for me because it just works. It's always connected to my phone. Like I had this great face on my Pebble Watch that was a um, that gave the time and with the Futura font, which I think is a nice looking font and the weather underneath. And it was really clean and great, except for the fact that the weather was usually about four hours old. Mm. You know, it just could never keep a good connection with the weather. And and that's just not an issue here. So you've got a great connection, which means you can start getting notifications. Um, how, but, but I've been doing this for a year. You are new to this idea of getting notifications on your watch. How has that experience uh, worked for you? I love getting notifications on my watch. This is probably my favorite feature of the Apple watch, but you have to be very selective and you have to be very careful about what kind of notifications you allow on your watch. And I think some of the early reviewers panned the Apple Watch on this, which I thought was really unfair because this is something that the user has direct control over. You control how many notifications you get on your Apple Watch and you control what comes through and what doesn't. So if you're getting too many notifications on your Apple Watch, that's your own fault. Um, that's something that can completely be customized. And I think the key to using the Apple Watch effectively is to really slim down and give some thought as to the notifications that you're going to allow to come through on the watch, because otherwise you're just going to be overwhelmed and it's going to be yet another distraction. We've talked about this on the show before in context of the phone and, you know, notifications are great. It's like due dates and OmniFocus, too many due dates, too many notifications, and there's a tipping point where notifications become anti-notifications. They don't serve any purpose because um, when you get one in your pocket every five minutes, you just don't read them. Whereas if you get a notification every four hours, you're going to be like, oh, well, this is something I need to check into. And I think that as a user, well, as app developers, they're all eager to have your attention because that's 
you know, that's what everybody wants in 2015. They want your attention. So every time you install a new app, it's going to ask to get notification, whether it's a game or the most important productivity app in your life, they're all going to want to give you notifications. So um, as a user, it's your job to thin the herd and say, okay, what really gets my attention? And, and even go a level beyond that and say, okay, this app should get my attention. Let's say it's your mail app. But does it get my attention all the time? Does it get my attention every time an email comes in or just a VIP email? And all that stuff is you can dial in with iOS. It takes a little while to figure it out. You're going to have to go into the notification screen and fiddle a little bit with it. And I understand that can be frustrating. But honestly, I, I did a screencast on it for Max Sparky uh, a week or two before the watch came out because I got tired of hearing all the, the um, these really kind of big tech blogs saying, oh, the big problem with the watch is notifications, where I was thinking, how are these guys and gals, the, you know, the writers of technology reviews, and how do they have every notification turned on on their phone? How come they've never gone through and fixed that? <laughs> um, but if you go through, you can, you know, thin the herd. And, and on your putting the watch aside, on your phone, notification should be limited and on your watch it should be an even more limited subset of those and both of those things are, are accomplishable right so that's and not even a, that's not even a word but both of those things are doable um with um with this new software and and i think if you've listened to our show and if you've kind of heeded our warning from the beginning of thinning the herd and thinning your notifications to begin with on the phone you're you're really a big step ahead of the crowd as far as this goes, because initially notifications weren't a big problem on the watch because I was already very selective about the notifications that I allowed to come through on the phone. But then I discovered that if you go into the Apple Watch app, and I really encourage people to spend some time playing with the Apple Watch app on the iPhone, by default, your Apple Watch is going to mirror the settings of your iPhone. So whatever comes through on your iPhone is going to come through on your watch. And maybe you've thinned your notifications enough that that's fine. But if you go into the Apple Watch settings on your watch, you can get pretty granular and and change them. So uh, some of my notifications I've I've changed. On some cases on the watch, I've allowed different or more notifications to come through that I do on my phone. Some cases I've thinned them even more. I still think there's room to grow here. I think it's a little fiddly, and and um, ideally it would be easier for users to. Um, to to modify this it wouldn't require you to to spend as much time as it does and uh i know a lot of people have talked about i just heard a podcast i think it was on on our network and on the connected show with them federico vitici saying that he really was federico or mike one of them was saying that they really help with ios 9 that we get even more um, granular or better controls for notifications i agree with that we still need that that needs to be one of the temples of ios 9 yeah. And so hopefully that that comes true. All that being said, if you're out there sitting on the fence with one of these watches because you're worried about too many notifications, that's a silly concern. You can you can completely control that now. Um, and once you have that under control, notifications on your wrist are awesome. Just I just think that's that's the greatest. I mean, Katie uh, was texting me before the show today. I was eating my sandwich I was able to look at my wrist and know exactly what was going on. I didn't have to dig my phone out of my pocket and I was able to resume my sandwich. There were no spicy carrots today, by the way. Yeah. I noticed you didn't reply, but now I know, now I know you're just ignoring me because you have no longer, do you have any excuse to say, I didn't see your message. 
I was eating peanut butter and jelly, so yeah, I was priority. a little sticky. I didn't want to get my watch sticky. Siri. <laughs> I didn't put Siri in the outline, but Siri is kind of a unique creature with the Apple Watch. I guess we should let's try and talk about that if we don't run out of time. Yeah, well, I'll, you can go ahead and add that to the outline. Let's talk a little bit about um, what notifications and, and just a little bit about how some of the, the triggers that you've had set. I'll tell you one thing that I have had set from the onset is my watch is silent all the time. And that's something that I, I have set from the moment that my watch came out of the box. I do not want my watch bleeping and blooping and doing all of these other things. In fact, I don't even know what the watch sounds like. Do you do you have noise coming from your watch? It's a very pleasant little bell. And uh, mine is set to match the phone. So if I put the phone on mute, then the watch mutes. If I put the phone on make sound, then the watch can make sound. See, my my thought on that is I am more likely I'm, I have my watch everywhere all the time. And if I don't want my phone to make a sound in a meeting, many times I won't take my phone into the meeting, but my watch will always go in the meeting. So I just I've kept my watch on silent and I've been very happy with that decision. Very so, easy to set. You can do that in the uh, in the iPhone watch app or you can do it on the watch itself in the settings. Yeah. Um, I had an interesting experience. We uh, were at a performance for my daughter. She's uh, she's a singer. So uh, at her school, they were doing a performance and I had everything on silent, but I didn't have it on airplane mode. And during a, uh, a performance, um, my watch started to do the beep, beep, beep that you recognize as someone's trying to call in. And I just, I knew I read that you could do this, but I hadn't actually experienced it. I just put my hand over my watch. And like almost immediately, it just hung up, you know, it, it went to message or whatever it does. It muted the, the watch. I thought, you know, how great is that little thing? You know, just you can be anywhere, put your hand over it and it, it just silences it. Yeah. Um, what about uh, notifications that you have actually coming through? I've I've limited mine to um, like mail VIPs, messages and then a few app notifications. I guess the phone comes through, too. And messages, the problem with messages is I, I want messages, but I'm getting messages from everyone. I want right. a way to I wish there was that. a, I wish there was a, that was another thing they talked about on that connected up show. I wish there was a VIP setting for messages. Yeah. Yeah. I think that hopefully is in the pipeline. Um, uh, in terms of app notifications, I don't allow many through, you know, I, uh, I do let the, um, I do use calendar notifications. It's interesting. You, uh, you said you're using, the calendar app, not fantastic Al. Yeah. Let me, notifications. let me explain that. Let me explain to you how I got there. Cause that may help some other, other users. So calendar is a native app on the Apple watch because it's Apple's app, right? Yeah. Just, yeah, yeah. just agree. Um, fantastic which is my primary calendar on the iPhone and the iPad is not a native app now. So on my iPhone, I don't have, I don't receive any notifications from the calendar app. All of my notifications on my iPhone come from Fantastical. So, but because I didn't want to receive duplicate notifications, I've, I've turned on my iPhone, all notifications off of calendar app, and I only receive notifications from Fantastical. So by default, those notifications followed over to my watch and that was fine. I was still getting notifications from Fantastical on, on my watch whenever I had an event. But here's the but. Because Fantastical is not a native app on the phone, or excuse me, on the watch, in the event that my phone and my watch were not paired together, so if I was out and about and my phone wasn't with me, and I realized that was going to be rare, 
my watch would not alert me to an upcoming appointment. I wouldn't get a notification of an upcoming appointment. And upcoming appointments are so important to me. I don't ever want to risk missing an upcoming appointment. So on the watch, I changed the settings so I would not receive notifications from Fantastical, but instead I would receive notifications from Calendar. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, third-party apps in general are second-class citizens on the watch. I mean, they in order to work, all the computing is done on the phone, and then the phone essentially drives screens to the watch, whereas the, the Apple apps like actually run code on the watch, like the Apple calendar runs code and has data on the watch. So there's certain circumstances like that where the native app has use. Like a, an example for me, this isn't really related to notifications, but one of my favorite third-party apps is the Overcast app for podcasts. I, I love the ability to switch podcasts and start and stop them with my watch. Um, however, the glance uh, can't do any of that stuff. It just shows me what's playing. But the the Apple now playing glance does let me skip forward, skip backward, you know, pause and start. So it, it, the Apple glance is actually better than Overcast for that. But then getting into the Overcast app to change podcasts makes sense. And I, I think when you're using this watch, you need to realize that, you know, there's some stuff that maybe you've kind of, you're not a big fan of the Apple you know, solution, but you're going to want to keep it around anyway, because some of that stuff just works better at this point on the watch. Well, and here's another example. And, and I talked to Marco. It's it's a limitation that Apple has placed on developers. Uh, if you're playing music or something from the, the iPhone that's that's in iTunes on the iPhone or in the music app on the iPhone, if you force press, you can change the source. So for example, you know, in my case, I've got a couple of AirPlay speakers set up around the house. If you force touch, I could change from say my, my bedroom Bluetooth speaker to my kitchen AirPlay speaker if I'm going from my bedroom to my kitchen. But you can't do that. I can't do that in Overcast. I can't change from the, the Bluetooth speaker in my bedroom to the AirPlay speaker in my kitchen. And that's a minor annoyance, but it means in the morning when I'm getting ready for work, if I'm when I'm moving from the bedroom into the kitchen, I have to grab my iPhone. I know first world problems and and change the the source of the audio um, from from the bedroom to the kitchen rather than doing it from my watch. But getting back to your original question, I, I don't have many applications that are sending me notifications to my watch. Mainly, it's it's messaging and mail VIPs. Um, the uh, the the health app or the fitness tracking, I'm letting it send me notifications. I like, in fact, while we were recording here, I had to stand up for 10 minutes because it told me to stand up and I'm trying to be good about this stuff. Uh, but the uh, but I, I don't have a whole lot on there. And I'm always kind of on the lookout for frequent violators. Like I have the um, the Apple um, test flight app on my phone where I'm on, I'm on betas for several of our developer friends. And every time a new beta seed comes through, it sends through a notification and there was an app in particular that I wanted to see when the new version came down because I was having a, an issue. And I needed the new version and I forgot to turn it off after that happened. And the last few days, I've got several notifications of new betas. I don't need to be getting that on my watch. So I, I turned that off earlier today. Um, I've got notifications on. I like the Dark Sky app. If you use Dark Sky, it is incredibly accurate weather tracking and it will buzz me on my wrist and say, uh, rain starting in five minutes. So that's kind of cute to get someplace or get an umbrella. You don't have that problem in California. I know it doesn't rain. 
Rarely, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I have I have turned on the notifications for the Apple Store app just because I've got a couple things that I'm waiting to ship. Nothing special, just my Melanese loop I'm, I'm watching. Um, and I, I think I can say this. Yeah, I can say this. Uh, we ordered my brother an Apple Watch, the same version that, that you've got. And I'm the designated watcher of the Apple Watch for him. Okay. Yeah. Uh, OmniFocus. Um, we have, I like the app. Um, I'm not. At this point, I don't, I don't have it sending me notifications. Um, if if, an, if a task becomes due, I could have it notify me, but um, I, I just don't, I'm not sure that's something I need in my wrist yet. I, like I said, I'm just very stingy with notifications on my wrist. I, I don't want it to ring much, and when it does, I want it to be something important enough for me to check. I agree. All right. Um, have we talked about, you know, we probably should have talked about uh, complications uh, when we talked about our our watch faces. Yeah. But, but even before that, just the, the whole taptic feedback thing, um, is it working for you? Yeah, it is. I did. Um, I did notice that I was missing a few when my band was a little bit looser. So I've solved that two ways. One is I've, I've tightened my band a notch cause I, my, I noticed my band was getting looser after wearing it for that first week. Uh, and then I did set it to the higher setting. I had a, a big meeting in the day job that involved a lot of people and we are waiting for something essential to happen before we could do something else. It's a long story. Nobody wants to hear about, but um, having my watch tap me to tell me when certain things were happening in the world that I needed to know about and nobody knowing it felt absolutely conspiratorial. I just <laughs> loved it. I mean, I, I think it's a really nice feedback. It doesn't, nobody in the room can hear it. It taps you. It's really wonderful. Um, okay. Let's go to complications really quick. Yeah, I am. Um, one of the reasons that I like that simple watch face is because it allows me to have the date and four additional complications. But yeah, I probably could lose one of those complications and be just fine with it. All right. So what are you using? Okay. So um, in the top left, I've got the um, I've got the weather, which is just the temperature. Uh, in the top right, I've got the timer because I find myself setting a lot of timers and then watching them count down. In the lower right, I have my three circles, my activity rings. And in the lower left, I have my calendar appointment, which in the, the simple face doesn't show the, the type of appointment. It just shows the time of the next appointment. Yeah, I've got, since I'm using the utility face, I only have three complications. I have a full text across the bottom, which is next appointment. And I love this. Yes. I, I can't tell you how much this is my favorite complication. I am I am that guy who in the morning calendars blocks of time for working on projects and picking up the kids and everything I do is on my calendar and um, being able to to see what's coming up next is is awesome. And that's something I always, it never really quite worked for me on the pebble and I just love it. And, and that's probably one of the reasons why I like utility so much because it, it gives me a nice full line of text across the bottom. And I don't want just a little tiny complication. I want that line of text. And so that's my favorite complication by far in the, in the upper left and right corner. The uh, fitness one has been a, a mainstay. I, I like it. It's a nice reminder. It's every time I look at the check the time, it tells me if I've been active today or lazy. And uh, I kind of like that feedback. Um, the, the upper right corner, I'm, I'm jumping around from different things. I've, you know, I, I'm not sure which one really makes sense in my life uh, because we've had a spat of, of different weather here. I've been using the weather one for the last week or so, but it's Southern California. The weather doesn't change that much. So I, I probably don't need weather there. 
Um, another thing about complications that a lot of people may not know is those are um, hyperlinks in essence. I mean, you tap the complication, it takes you to the app. So I and, can tap. and that's one of the reasons why I've, I've kept the complications there is because I liked being able to tap the weather. Yeah, exactly. You can tap it and get to the weather or to your calendar or whatever. And um, uh, that's really nice. Um, I am. Um, and I, I put today's date in the uh, utility watch. You can put today's date on the face of the watch. And I did it right there on the face of the watch. Maybe eventually I'll just put that in the upper right corner and get it off the face of the watch. Oh, I but, like uh, it on the face. That's more standard yeah. for a watch, I think. Um, either way, complications are great. And there's all sorts of rumors um, about that they're going to allow some 30, third-party applications to give you complications. Yeah, I'd be and, ecstatic about that. Yeah, I'm not sure which ones would be best for me. Like, maybe, like, um, uh, OmniFocus tasks, like a number, like, of, you know, soon-to-be-due tasks or something might be interesting. Um, the one I saw online this morning, people were talking about was Twitter and I have no desire ever to put Twitter as a complication on my watch. No, thank you. I don't even want Twitter buzzing me with notifications. I don't want Twitter on my, my watch period. I don't know. Um, Twitter, I'm not sure how it fits on the watch yet. I haven't played too much with the Twitter app because it seems like a fire hose on the watch and I don't want that. Um, I've heard that I guess Tweetbot is working on something that just gives you um, notifications or or tweets that um, name you directly or or DMs, and I haven't played with that yet. I don't know is that even out yet? Maybe I'm not on the beta for that one. Well, but, but the, uh, def- depending on your notification settings, if if you have notification settings, for example, which I do when you get a DM in Tweetbot, which is very rarely, then that will translate over to the watch. Okay, well, I'll have to play with that a little bit. Maybe that's something worth worth testing, but I don't want it as a complication. I'm I'm certain of that, <laughs> you know. But the uh, uh, I I'm excited. I, I think that the complications are a great idea, and and giving it a little bit more variety is good. Um, the like the the um the world clocks is a good idea when you're traveling, but I don't generally need it. Um, the um the sunrise and sunset. I know those are kind of traditional complications, but I don't have that much use for it. I was thinking, well, maybe when we go to Disneyland, it'd be nice to know when the sun's going to set. But the, um, I, um, overall, I'm pretty happy with it. Now, on the utility, I'm sorry, on the modular face, you've got even more complications. Which ones are you using on your modular face? Uh, I'm not using the modular face very often, but when I do, I'm, I'm using the same complications. And I, I just to throw one on there, I, I add the sunset. Yeah, I like the, um, once again, like seeing the next appointment on the modular face of the text is even bigger, which is that's the biggest uh, argument for the modular face in my in my case. OK, uh, let's take a break and talk about one password our sponsor of the show for a long time. Uh, Agile Bits, makers of one password are the guys and the gals that have made securing your passwords simple and easy uh, for all of your devices. 1Password creates and stores strong and unique passwords. So when you get a new login for your bank or whatever you're signing up for, don't just come up with some goofy password that you've used repeatedly on a bunch of different sites. Let 1Password come up with it for you. And once you think of that, uh, once you press the button, have it create that unique password for you, 1Password will take care of all the hard work of storing and remembering it for you. So when you go in in the future, You've got a little button you press, and it just fills it in for you. All you have to remember is one password, hence the name. You can, um, you know, you can take the uh, 
you can take any applica- any website you want on any device and you can get in there really easy. It syncs over Dropbox or iCloud. Uh, so you've got it wherever you need, whenever you need it. If you're on the iPhone, if you're on the iPad, if you're on the Mac, you've got your passwords. They also support Android and Windows. What's even better is guess what? They support the Apple Watch. <laughs> you can go on with Apple Watch. You can use it for authentication. You can have your favorite password show up on the watch. Have you played with this, Katie? Oh, yeah. I've got a couple of things showing up on the watch. Yeah, it's great. So I, I love that they're one of the first companies to get on the Apple Watch. And it doesn't surprise me in the slightest that they are, because that's the way these guys are. I mean, they're always kind of on the edge of this stuff. You've got that, you've got that go and fill button when you're you know on your devices to go to the website, fill it in for you. And like I said, they're on the Apple Watch. So you've got your favorite passwords right there on your wrist. Um, we hear from listeners all the time talking about how they finally decided to give one password a try and they can't believe that they didn't do it sooner. If you're one of those people out there, now's your chance. Go sign up for one password. You can get it from the Mac app store. You can get it from the iOS app store and you can even put it on your watch. Uh, a great team of people. They're completely obsessive about protecting your secrets. Um, not only do they protect and generate passwords for you, they can also store essential data like the secure notes where I keep tons of data on my iOS devices that nobody else can ever get to. Um, great people, great software, and a longtime sponsor of the show. Go check it out, like I said, in the Mac or iOS app stores. You can also go to their website, onepassword.com, I believe. And, um, and thanks, OnePassword, for supporting the show. All right, so glances. So glances are when you're on the watch face of the Apple Watch and you swipe up. And they, I think of glances kind of like widgets. They're they're quick bits of information you can see, but you typically, although of course the asterisk there is with the Apple stuff you can, you typically can't interact with them. Um, and you know, glances are something that I've I've gone back and forth with. You know, uh, initially I had a bunch of glances and then I found that they tend to work better if I keep things simple and I really weed out and, and keep my glances as minimal as possible, because otherwise you're just having to swipe through to find what you want. Yeah, there I think glances are what it's all about. I, I mean, I use glances way more than I use that app launcher screen. And um, and you're right. It is a, it's limited like the there. You can't really interact with the apps, but it, it gives you a glance of information. And, and the watch overall is a place you go to get information more than you do to, to interact with it anyway. And uh, glances are perfect for that solution. And the other great thing is that they're always available. You just, you know, swipe up. In fact, we haven't really talked about the UI too much, but it's real simple. You swipe down for your notifications, you swipe up for your glances, and then you can go left and right between them. But you're right. Uh, if you have too many, you can get lost inside the glances. Uh, how many are you running? Um, probably a few too many still. Uh, but I've got the standard setting, which I, I don't think is a glance. I don't think you can turn that off. Um, battery, activity, calendar. OmniFocus, Overcast, and Heart Rate. Yeah, and I, I've got I most of those. Six. Yeah, I've got most of those, but I'm always testing a few. Like, for instance, the Maps one, I've got active all the time, and I'm not sure why yet, because I've never gone and needed to see, well, where am I in the world, and why do I need that in a glance? And, and that's an example of one of those where, uh, you know, apps that require data from the Internet are slow on the watch, because they have to... Bluetooth over to the phone. The phone has to collect the data. The phone has to, you know, 
assemble the data in a way that looks good on the watch, send it to the watch and then display it on the watch. So there's all these things that have to happen because this stuff is happening outboard and maps. By the time it gets me the data, it just takes too long that I wouldn't really want it. So I've, I've got a couple open like that uh, workflow I've got in there and I've got it on there. I haven't really created a lot of workflows on it, but workflow is great. You can um, create a workflow like give me directions home or send a text to my wife that says this and I can just put it on there and you tap a button on your watch and it just goes and happens on your phone. Uh, I've, I've kept the glance active because it's a reminder to myself that I actually want to spend some time creating some cool watch workflows. I haven't done that yet. Um, the uh, fitness stuff. Did you put the fitness? It looks like you don't have the fitness ones open in glances. Well, that's activity, isn't it? Okay. I guess you're right. Yeah. And I use, I use that one all the time and I've got a couple others. Like I've been playing with do, you know, um, in addition to OmniFocus, I also use this app called Do, and that's one for like, you know, every Thursday night, trash cans have to go out the Sparks house and, <laughs> you know, right. And I don't really want to create an OmniFocus task for that. And if I don't put them out, you know, Mrs. Max Sparky is not happy with me. Right. So Understandable. I, I have a couple things like that where just, okay, it's trash night, take it out. So I've been playing with their glance for that too. Um, you know, we're still early days. I've got a bunch of apps and glances loaded on my watch that, are kind of there for me just to fiddle with right now. But I, I believe everything you just said. I mean, it, once you kind of get to the ones you really want, keep it down, just like notifications, keep it down to the limited set of stuff you're really going to use. But glances are also where it's at. So you, you, you swipe up, you sweep, swipe between them. And then let's say you don't have a complication for the weather, but you've got the weather showing up as a glance. And then you just tap on it and it takes you to the weather app and you can do whatever you want with weather. Um, on the topic of weather, by the way, I've tried several third-party weather apps, and the reason I've been using the Apple one most is because, it, once again, it seems like it's faster because a lot of it's on board of the watch. But I'm st- I, the Apple apps are always going to be able to, at least for now, until you know WatchKit 1.0 or 2.0, whatever we're calling it, is is released. Maybe at WWDC, I I think likely later in the year. Um, it, they're going to have much more access to things. And I think that information is going to be refreshed more often. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But for now, um, don't give up on the Apple apps themselves because that may be the best answer until that changes. I agree. What do you think of the watch as an app platform? You know, we, you know, we've talked about it telling time and running glances, but we haven't really talked about that much running apps in general. Well, that's, that's hard to say because it feels like this is, I mean, I know it is. It's very early days for apps right now. And it it feels like the apps have a lot of potential, but the apps are also fairly crippled right now. And and I'm concerned that that people could start trying apps on the Apple Watch and and be sorely disappointed. I I was so ready to be disappointed with the apps. Yeah. Everybody, Everybody, the early reviews were, oh, it's terrible don't even load apps. And I've not found that to be the case. I think it depends on what you're doing. That's um, true. You know, for some apps like the OmniFocus app, I am really digging on the watch. And that's one where it's not real, you know, like, like okay, compare OmniFocus to Maps. You know, Maps needs to go to the phone, get the GPS. So the phone has to find GPS. Just like I said a few minutes ago, it's got to go do a whole bunch of stuff on the internet then it's got to get that stuff and assemble it and send it into a nice package to the watch. Whereas with OmniFocus, the data is on board largely, so long as it's been syncing. 
and you just go to the watch. It gets the data packages and sends it back. And for that, it's just fine. I mean, I've been, you know, I've been sitting somewhere and looked at my watch to see what are the remaining flagged items I have for today, been able to do a couple of them and check them off on my watch or even add a new task for my watch, which is kind of awesome. And that is perfectly fine. So there are apps that work. I think apps that are internet hungry are the ones that are going to make you unhappy. Well, because how many times have you loaded an app and, you know, seen that spin, 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 and then the watch face goes dark because you've exceeded your five seconds or whatever, and you tap the watch face to wake it up and it's still spinning. And then the watch face goes dark and you tap the watch and you're just like, forget it. I'm done. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that that's an issue. And, um, but you, we, you know, they can't put, I mean, let's just talk reality. They no, can't I agree. We have radio to, we have to be realistic. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I want the watch to have, you know, a nice battery life and get through the day. No problem. And frankly, I don't want the watch to be as big as a walkie talkie on my pocket or an iPhone on my wrist. Um, so it doesn't have all the radios. And then 2015, this is what you get. Well, and uh, I think you, as a result, de- developers also have to be very mindful of w- what at this point can Apple Watch 1.0 apps do? Um, what can they do? What is realistic for them to do? You know, Marco Arment wrote a piece about how he completely redesigned his app after he had hands-on time with an Apple Watch. And I, yeah. think, I think the developers who get that and the developers who optimize their, their apps for that are going to do just fine. I think the developers who just try to stick everything that they can in an Apple watch are are going to end up being disappointed. And I think another thing, you know, just like we talked about really culling down your notifications, I think it's important to cull down your apps because by default, when you set up a new Apple watch, Apple's going to say, Hey, do you want me just to transfer all your Apple watch compatible apps over? I can do that for you. I think if you say yes, you're going to be overwhelmed by apps. Uh, And, and I'm finding that I'm just, I'm just killing apps off of my Apple Watch left and right. You know, I, I'm not sure how it got on there, but the PowerPoint app keeps popping up on my watch and I'm saying, no, goodbye. I don't ever want to see you. Delete, go away. Um, unfortunately, there's a there's a thing that's happening that whenever an app gets an update, it shows back up on the watch. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah. But I think uh, I think you need to be very selective about which apps you allow on your Apple Watch right now. I think Overcast is like the poster child for good watch apps. It just works it it it's a perfect type of app for a watch app where i want to be able to start and stop audio and maybe select a different audio use it all the time like when i'm you know our next topic is fitness tracking because i'm walking a little bit more um it's great to be able to switch a podcast while i'm walking without taking my phone out of my pocket um like i said earlier i I think if you get things that aren't internet heavy you're going to be fine um uh, organizing apps, I think, is rough. I mean, it's got like this kind of magnetic system where if you pull one out from the stack somewhere, everything else moves. And um, it's a little bit um, difficult to set them up. I, um, I actually did a thing where I tweeted out. I made like an X out of my app. So they're they're like branches, but I had to kind of stack them. But then it's easier to hit them because you don't have a big clump of them in the middle. Um, but what I really need to do is just have fewer apps. And and I'm still in that phase where I'm going through trying everything and seeing what works and what doesn't. Yeah, I I liked your X idea. My my watch. Um, what I've done is I've made mine more of a uh, more of an hourglass, if that makes sense. So I've I've got um, the the watch face is kind of the center of the hourglass, and I've got apps that I tend to use most frequently at the top of the hourglass, 
and apps that I want to still have on the watch but are, are less frequently used or perhaps apps that I just don't use but can't delete are at the bottom of the hourglass. Yeah, it, it's not easy to tap apps. I mean, we've, you know, Apple's always been so good about being having minimal sizes for touch targets and they just, none of that, all that stuff goes out the window with this tiny little screen on your wrist and you can hit the digital crown to make everything to zoom in, which is, is something I would recommend, but then you get, get lost in the screen a little bit. Um, that's one of the reasons why I like that kind of X design. This is by the direction that it's leaning. I know where I'm at on the big list and um, I can have different branches for different types of apps, but you know, it's, it's early. I got to figure out what apps are really going to work for me. I don't use a lot of apps on the, on the watch to tell you the truth. I mean, I like, you know, OmniFocus, Overcast. I, when it comes down to it, it's like three or four apps, one password. Um, you know, it, there aren't that many apps that I really need to uh, spend time with on the watch. And maybe that's part of the discovery process is learning. This is really good at just giving me glances of information, but when I want to do real work, I'm going to pull my phone out of my pocket. Yeah, I would add to that. I'm probably, I'm using drafts on the Apple watch to dictate quick things. I'm going back and forth. Um, drafts is probably, I want to love the Evernote app, but I'm finding that because it gives me quick access to recently used notes, but I'm not using that very often. I think just about for everything that I can do, the drafts app works because it allows me to create a quick note through dictation and it saves it in drafts on my iPhone where I can process it later. So I'm using the the drafts app. Um, lately, I've been using the deliveries app because I've had several things coming and going that I've been tracking and it just gives me quick access on my watch so that I don't have to keep getting those notifications. Those are the only two I would probably add to your list. Hey, we still have stuff on our outline. I want to talk about dictation in Siri. I want to talk about fitness tracking and the watch UI in general, and maybe just some overall opinions. Uh, but before we do that, why don't we talk about our last sponsor? Our last sponsor for this episode is our good friends over at Fracture. And we've talked a bit about Fracture, and I can just not emphasize enough how cool these are. So first off, what is a Fracture? If you've never heard from this, a Fracture takes your favorite photos. You know, we talked about um, how we've got all these digital photos in our photo management show, but sometimes your best photos, you still want to print those out. You still want to do something special with them. And, but it is such a pain because you've got to print the photo and then maybe you've got to get a frame and then you've got to get a mat and you've got to coordinate them and you've got to mount them on the wall. And people just don't do it because it, it gets so complicated. And is it going to look good? Is, is the, you know, framing can be so expensive and is the frame going to match the mat and the mat going to match the wall and all of this other stuff going on? Fracture eliminates all that because what it does is it takes your photo and it prints them in vivid color directly on glass. I've actually seen this happen. I had an opportunity to tour their facility. Um, they've got a very unique method for doing this and they're printing the photos on glass. It's absolutely amazing. They print the photo on the back of the glass so you don't have to worry about chipping or cracking or anything like that. And then they ship you in this very unique packaging. They've, they've really thought everything through, uh, everything that you need to get your photo up on the wall or to uh, show it on your desk or, or put it up on your bookshelf right there in the box. Uh, their prices start at just $15 for a five by five size print. What you do is you go to their website, 
You can browse their different offerings of sizes, um, and then you can upload your photo, and it will tell you, uh, based on the photo that you've uploaded, uh, these are the recommended sizes that we suggest for your fracture. This is what's going to make a good print. This is what's going to work. Um, and then you can choose from a variety of sizes. Do you want a square? Do you want a rectangle? How big do you want your fracture? Um, every fracture is handmade and checked for quality. Uh, it is absolutely amazing. It is the thinnest, lightest, and most elegant way to display your favorite photos. I have several of these. I have two of their large square fractures on the wall in my office so that they're the first thing that you see uh, when clients walk in my office. And without fail, every time I bring a new client into my office, these fractures are the first thing that they comment on. They're really great conversation starter. Uh, and you may be able to still order now and get them in time for Father's Day. They are great gifts um, because it's really unique and personalized gift. I just gave a fracture gift certificate to someone as a wedding gift. Um, they got one of their wedding photos uh, put on a fracture and mounted it in their house. Uh, and they just, they called me and were just amazed because it's a really unique gift and people just haven't seen anything like it. So you can find out more information. You can go to their website at fractureme.com. You can do everything right there. They'll ship you everything that you need. Um, but if you've never bought your fracture before, uh, you can use the promo code MAC15, that's M-A-C-1-5 in all capital letters, and save 15% off your first order. Uh, so go check out Fracture. I promise you will not be disappointed. Uh, I love their stuff, uh, and I want to thank them for supporting Mac Power users. You know, with the new photos thing, how you can go and see basically your whole library now on your iPad and your iPhone. Yeah. The, um, I, uh, I never thought I was that guy, but I totally am that guy who looks at old pictures when my kids were little and, uh, and just gets lost in them. I, I don't know when that happened, but now like if my 19 year old gave me a fracture print for father's day, it would just, I'd love it. I would love it anyway. Um, so let's talk about the um the app platform stuff and the fitness tracking and the Siri. So uh, in fact, let's talk about fitness tracking first because I I think this is great. I um I've always been kind of looking for a gamification. We did a show on fitness years ago. We probably should update it. Um, so I I've always been the kind of guy who tracked my steps, and I had a I had a um Fitbit for years and it got lost. I swear this is not intentional and not, I don't know how it happened, but the little fit Fitbit that was two or three years old disappeared like two months before the watch came out. Um, so I, I want to track my steps and stuff. I think this is the best implementation of it I've ever had in my life because every time I look at the time, I can see how I'm doing. Well, you see, you get the little concentric circles. You can see how you're doing. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's good enough for me. Uh, it's also interesting to me because I, I, you know, you use what tools you have. So when I had a Fitbit in my pocket, everything was about steps and, and I have really trained myself to the point where I walk about 10,000 steps a day. Now, when I go to the mall, I park as far away as I can. When I go in a building, I always use the steps and there, you know, it like it, it trained my brain and that's been work. I've been doing it for years. So the stuff works on me. However, I've never had a heart rate monitor on me and it never occurred to me how much, how many times a day am I raising the heart rate? But now I can. And now all of a sudden I'm obsessive about that. So, um, I'm finding not only places to walk, I'm, I'm not just going to the mall and parking far away. I'm parking far away and downhill. <laughs> so you have to walk uphill. Yeah. I mean, I, and where I live, um, 
there's a lot of hills. So I've found the places to go now. And, and I'm that, that center circle with the heart rate thing. It, well, the first week I had the watch, I realized I never got my heart rate up the entire week. And um, so now I'm totally obsessed with that. So I, I think this is good. And, and, you know, everybody's different. And for a lot of people, this is a temporary thing. You get a new bit of, of a new gizmo in your life and it's fun for a week or a month to try and, and get your circles filled. And um, but for other people, it becomes a lifelong habit. I mean, how do you turn it into a habit? You just start doing it. And uh, the watch has really accommodated that for me. So I'm working on my heart rate now, too. So I'm a big fan of the fitness stuff. Yeah, I, I will tell you, I agree that the gamification is definitely working. When I went back to school, I've always gone to the gym and I had a personal trainer for a while. And when I went back to school, that stopped both for financial and just for time reasons. And I was finding that I was I was getting bad about getting my activity in. So one of the things I did is I, I bought an elliptical machine here for the house. And that has helped. But I found that the Apple Watch really makes me use it because, you know, elliptical machines and, um, you know, just any kind of exercise equipment in your house in general has a tendency to become um, very expensive clothes hangers after a while. Have you noticed that? Yeah. 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 Um, but the the Apple Watch has has really made me, you know what? I got to get at least thirty minutes on that elliptical every day, or at least on the days that I don't go to the gym, I got to get my thirty minutes on the elliptical machine. Um, and it's it's really made me think. Oh, well, you know, maybe I could go for forty. You know, I haven't gone for forty five yet. Maybe I can go for forty five and and get a little reward. So the gamification is working. Um, one of the things that I've had trouble with is I I do spin classes at the gym usually twice a week. And I have found that the Apple Watch, I was really disappointed that every time I've done a spin class at the gym, that has not done well. I mean, as a typical spin class, those are very high intensity um, stationary cycling, usually um, with, with, you know, they simulate uphill, they simulate very fast speeds. Uh, you probably should, should burn somewhere in the neighborhood of five, six, seven hundred calories, you know, if you're doing that for 45 minutes to an hour. And I've I've taken the Apple Watch spinning a couple of times and was really disappointed because I found that, you know, for example, 30 minutes on the elliptical machine, you know, I'll I'll burn 230 to 250 calories, no problem, you know, for only 30 minutes on the elliptical. But 60 minute spin class, I'm according to the Apple Watch, burning less than 250 calories. And it's not giving me any of the green exercise points, even though I've started an exercise with, um, you know, and called it indoor cycling. And, you know, clearly this isn't right. Um, and you know, at some point I just had to get over it because I know it's not right. But it's really frustrating when you kill yourself for 45 minutes to an hour and your little Apple Watch is just sitting there blinking at you going, hi, and your little green green circle hasn't moved at all. Yeah, some of the other um, fitness tracking stuff I've used in the past, including, I believe, Fitbit does this as an interface where you can go and manually make an entry. Like um, if you go swimming and you don't have your Fitbit or your Apple Watch on, and you but you swim a thousand meters, wouldn't it be nice if you could get credit for that, you know, in your rings? And I don't think there's a way to do that at this point. Maybe there will be at some point. Yeah, I think there are two problems with the Apple Watch, although it doesn't make a ton of sense. Um, one, the first time I used it, it, I think perhaps I didn't have it tight enough. So the second time I used it, I really made a point to tighten the wrist strap, you know, so much so that I actually had indentations, I noticed, after 
you know, after I, I got it, I, w- I took a shower. I noticed when I got in the shower, I had indentations in my wrist from, from the strap. So the strap was plenty tight. But I noticed that my, my heart rate, because it will show you your heart rate um, when you're looking at the activity sensor, my heart rate was all over the place, um, it, just clearly wrong many times you know, during the training. And I think it was not getting an accurate read because there was many times when it was saying that it was, it was trying to get a heart rate. And I think, I think it just was not getting a good heart rate. And I think part of that was because, uh, particularly for spin, um, you know, sometimes you're standing up on the bike, sometimes you're sitting down, sometimes you're gra- grabbing the handlebars, many times you're grabbing the handlebars kind of at an awkward angle. And I wonder if that was maybe interfering with the Apple Watch's ability to get a good heart rate. But my, my heart rate would vary wildly, according to the Apple Watch. You know, at some points, you'd just be working your tail off and your Apple Watch would say, oh, your heart rate is 86 right now. I'm like, really? No, promise you it's not. And then, you know, 30 seconds later, it would be 156. And, you know, clearly that's not right. It's funny because I've heard a lot of people who tested the heart rate monitor against medical equipment and oh, saying yeah. it's it's actually quite accurate. Well, and I'll tell you, when I'm when I'm on the elliptical machine, fine, no problems whatsoever. So I, my, my guess is it's, it's maybe it's because I'm sweating. Maybe it doesn't like that. Maybe it's because, you know, the way that I'm gripping the handlebar just kind of makes that sensor get wacky contact. I don't know. I think this is a great option for uh, listener feedback because I know there's some people out there listening who do more workout stuff than Katie and I do. And uh, if you're using an Apple watch, you know, send in an audio comment, send in a written comment, let us know for the live show, because I'd like to hear back on this. Yeah. The next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to try tracking it instead of tracking it. at cycling. I'm going to try to track it as other and see if that makes any difference. But I really think the the problem this last time around is, is that it's just not getting good heart rate data. Interesting. Yep. Um, overall, I like the, I like the fitness. I think it's a great addition and I use it every day. And like I said, I, I've stood up now for the second time during our show. <laughs> of this thing. And, and even that is something it's as goofy as it sounds. I'm the kind of guy that can sit down at my computer and work for like four hours and just lose the time. You know, when I'm doing like creative work, it's really easy to get lost in it. And, um, and having my watch tell me why not, you know? Now, um, now what about Siri? Because I know I, you I, wanted to add, talk to Siri a little bit. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's great. I, I think it's interesting. There's a lot of people out there saying, well, I think Siri works better on the watch than anywhere else. Hmm. I don't, I don't. I yeah, think it I works. disagree. I think it works fine on the other stuff too. I think maybe there's a lot of people who haven't given Siri a serious, do you like how I did that? Haven't they given Siri a serious attempt uh, for a while? On yeah, I just, I want to remind you, iPad. we have to be very careful what we say during this segment. I'm not going to say it. Okay. I'm not going to say, it. in fact, let's just adopt, um, let's just go our friends over at, um, at, at upgrade. Jason. Upgrade, they call it a Hoy telephone. I think that they'll let us use it. We might have to pay a slight licensing fee, but it's going to say a Hoy watch, a Hoy watch that works too. But, but either way, um, it, it works great. And you know, you don't have a keyboard on this thing, so people are forced to use it more than they've been u- forced to use it anywhere else. So they're like, hey, this works pretty good. And I hope that people that are discovering that will go back and try it on their phone too, because you'll find it works pretty good there too. Um, either way, uh, it, it works fine. That's the major, you know, the main text input thing on it. Um, uh, the, you know, like a lot of people use it for things like text messages. And when you reply to a text message, it's interesting because once it gets the dictation, it gives you the option to send it as text or send it as a voice file. Have you ever sent it as a voice file? Never. Yeah. Cause see for me, the advantage of text, um, 
of messaging is that I can send a text to somebody that they can be somewhere where they can't listen, but they can still get the message. Yeah, there's and, actually uh, a setting that you can set just to say always send us text. That's where I was going next. You can oh, you, you can you can turn that on if you want. Um, although if you've got something that's really wacky and Siri screws up on it, sending it as audio is fine too. So you can do that. Um, in general, the Siri interface is great to to activate it. You can press in on the digital crown, and uh, it's kind of it's prettier than it is on the phone. They've got like these three colors and. Um, it works great. You can also activate it by saying, um, not a Hoy telephone, but, um, first the word, Hey, and then after that, the word Siri, how's that? Okay. Okay. So you put those two words together and, uh, it, that, that part is interesting to me because I got hung up on it because I was, you know, the first time I did it, I'm like, great. So now I can send a message with, with one hand. I can lift my wrist, say those two words, dictate my message, like say those two words and say, tell Daisy I'm on the way home. But the first time I did it, um, the watch flummoxed me because then it says, okay, here's what the text message is. Do you want me to send it? And there's a button there that says, I think send, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so the whole point of this exercise was for me not to have to touch the watch. And now I have to touch the watch to actually send the message. And so I started fiddling with it. And then I realized that if you say, ahoy telephone send, or the equivalent of that, it will it will go ahead then and send the message. So you can actually activate button presses by prefacing it with first the word, Hey, and then after that, the word Siri with me. Yes. And then you also have to know when is Siri listening? She's, she's only listening when the screen is lit. Yes. And that is complicated as well, because (laughs) like if you're in an app, it doesn't work. Right. And, and if your screen is dark, like maybe you lifted your wrist and it didn't quite catch it, she's not listening. Yeah, I, I did a post on it. I'll link it. Um, there's several circumstances where it's not listening and some where you would think it is and it's not listening and somewhere you would think it's not listening and it is. It's all a little confusing. But the other thing I'll tell you is it's you just you kind of have to go with it. You lift your watch and as soon as you see that it's on. You just say ahoy watch and you start talking. Even if Siri, don't wait for her to start activating. Don't wait for her because if you, if you see the little wavelengths, you probably waited too long. Just wait, see that the watch is activated, say it and start talking. Yeah. The, the big win for this in my mind is that people will start using dictation more. I really feel like with these mobile devices, people just need to adopt that stuff because it really is just such a great way. I'm working on the next book now and, I was I was dictating it the other day, just using you know my iPad and and Siri dictation, and it's just not that hard. And I just I'm glad to see all these people using it on the on the watch now too. All right, well, um, probably probably time to move on. Did you want to talk at all about the the watch UI, or is that just something that we kind of got to get used to? Yeah, I I am. Um, I think this has been covered on other shows already, but I do think that. I'm not sure this is the right UI for it. Um, I, it's it's a little confusing when you press the digital crown. Sometimes it shows you a watch face and sometimes it shows you something else. And I, I like the idea of pressing one button and having it always go to the same place, just like on the phone. When you press the home button, it always takes you to the home screen. Um, but uh, we've gone on long enough. Let's, I don't, we're not going to solve that problem today. But I would like to talk about the watch just overall. 
Well, is it a, are, are you glad? I mean, I mean, obviously you're, you're glad you bought it, but are you glad you bought gen one? Yeah, I am. I, 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 I really like this watch and I really like, it's the best watch I've ever owned. And I like the combination of all these things, the fitness tracking, the notifications. I like the, I like the, you know, sexy nerdiness of it all. And I don't know. I'm, I'm really happy with it. They kind of, the thing that's surprising to me is how quickly it just becomes part of your life. Um, with the phone and the iPad, there was a lot of fiddle time for me. I'd fiddle with it for, you know, when they were brand new for a lot. Whereas with the watch, once I figured out what face I wanted and how it generally works, I strapped it on my wrist and got back to work and it just kind of folded into my life really nicely. And that's a new experience for me with one of these Apple Gen 1 products. And I was trying to think, well, does that mean it's not as good that, you know, I am I, I, not obsessed with it, but it's just a different experience and it's very good for what it's supposed to be. I, I don't know. I think they did a good job with this one. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I'm very glad that I bought this. I'm, I'm glad that I spent the extra few bucks and, and got the stainless steel, although I realize that's that's not for everybody. I, I don't know that this is a life changer as as same as perhaps the iPhone or maybe even the iPad is. But that being said, I don't want to give it up because it has definitely improved my life. Um, it's it's improved me in ways that I've gotten better about my activity. But the, probably the, the single biggest change that it's made is I'm I'm leaving my phone behind more often and I'm feeling better about that. I'm not missing it. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. You, you don't need to mortgage your house to buy one of these. You can get by just fine without it. But having one makes things, everything a little bit easier, especially if you're an iOS person. Right. I mean, one of my favorite things to do with the watch and probably the single thing that I use it more than, than anything else for the main interaction I have. I mean, obviously it interacts with me, which is what I like. It tells me when I need to be somewhere. It tells me when I have an appointment. It tells me when a notification comes in. But the main interaction that I do with it, I can't tell you how many times I add things to reminders list. Like this morning I was... um you know, I, I, I made an omelet for breakfast and I noticed that I'm running low on eggs and I, I lifted up my watch and I said the magic words and I asked it to add eggs to my shopping list. So when I go to the store this weekend, I'll have eggs in my shopping list. Or if, you know, aside from when you're in the shower, because I don't use my Apple watch in the shower, you know, things just pop in your head. At, at odd times and as you're as you're driving or as you're thinking about something and you think, oh, I've got to do X, Y, Z, I add it to my reminders. And because my reminder syncs with OmniFocus, I know that it's going to be in my OmniFocus inbox. I know that I'll process it. My gosh, the first first week that I had my Apple watch, my OmniFocus inbox was overflowing. And at first I thought, oh, I don't like this at all. But then I thought, you know what? Those are all things that I didn't drop. Those are all things that I'm not missing. Yeah, it's great. And the funny thing is there is no reminders app on the watch, <laughs> but it captures it with Siri. So you don't get to, you don't have a window into your reminders list, uh, but you do have the ability to add items to your reminders list. And if you're using that OmniFocus sync, it's even better. Right. Now, um, keeping in mind, this is a, a Gen 1 product and, and things are going to improve. Are there a few things in particular that you'd like to see them tweak? Uh, you know, my biggest um pet peeve right now is just i want it when i lift it up to always show me what time it is i going back to the top of the show uh you know i think that needs to be um more liberal in showing me the time um the stuff with the apps i'm kind of willing to give them a pass it's amazing that they got apps on it at all and um, i'm very curious to see i know 
we may have announcements as soon as June about native apps on the watch and, you know, what that means. But, you know, I, Hey, you know what? I think they did a fine job with this thing. Yeah. Um, a couple of things. One we didn't mention, we probably should have in the battery segment. Although I have noticed that the Apple watch is fine for battery for the watch. I've noticed my iPhone is draining significantly more than it used to since I got the Apple watch. And I think that's attributable to the iPhone being in constant communication with the Apple watch. Um, you know, right now I haven't used my iPhone much and it was on a charger most of the day at my office and I'm already down, uh, below 60% and it's only been off the charger for a couple hours. So that's definitely, I don't know if there's too much activity going on or if that's a software tweak. Um, I've also found that, you know, mail on the Apple watch isn't great. And I, I realize that the Apple watch isn't designed to do a lot of work on mail. Um, but if if your if your iPhone isn't open and unlocked, the mail app on the Apple Watch is, is useless other than to tell you about recent emails that are coming in because otherwise it won't update. I found that half the time, most of the time when I click the mail app on the Apple Watch, the mail is so old and outdated. It could be weeks old. It's bizarre. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I've just never been interested in doing mail on my watch. Um I I've I like the idea of getting notifications when a VIP person sends me a message, an email message. Uh, if I'm in the middle of a settlement or something, I'll have opposing counsel list as a VIP and I'll see, hey, hey, they send me an email. I better go check it. But uh, even if they added an interface to like respond to email on the watch, that is not something I'm interested in. And, and there are third party apps out there doing it already. But um that's not I, that hasn't really been a downer for me because I'm just not interested in having that feature. I just want to get the notification when a, when a mail message is received more than anything else. Um, the uh, boy, but I do want that thing every time I lift my wrist. I want it to tell me what time it is. Yeah. The the battery thing, you know, I haven't noticed, but like you, I I am constantly charging the battery in my phone because you know I'm at my desk most of the day and I've got a charger right here. So I just set it in the cradle. Why not? And, um, you know, that's something I just need to figure out. I bet, you know, there's a lot of people saying the same thing. All right. Well, you know, we've got an hour and 45 minutes on, on the Apple watch and this is no doubt a topic that we will continue to talk about on Mac power users. I think we're just going to incorporate it in our regular discussions. You know, as we talk about iPhone apps and, and Mac apps, we're, we're going to talk about Apple apps. You know, as we talk about workflows for your Mac and your iPhone, we're going to talk about workflows for for your, your Apple watch. It's just, it's just another thing now. It's in the rotation. Yeah. <laughs> and and I don't think I screwed up and said I watch this podcast much, did I? No, I think we all kind of got over that. I, hope I mean, so. it was easy at the beginning, but uh, now I think everybody's used to Apple. I think the whole I whatever is going away. Yeah, I'll be surprised if they have any more products that start with the I. Well, thanks to our sponsors for this episode: Hover, Sanebox, One Password, and Fracture. And you can find uh, more information about everything that we've talked about in this episode, including links to things that we've mentioned in our show notes, uh, at our website at relay.fm/mpu/two-fifty-eight uh, for this episode. And if you want to send us feedback, send it to feedback at macpowerusers.com. You can find Katie on on Twitter. Uh, she's at Katie Floyd. I am at Max Sparky and we are at Mac Power Users. We will see you all next week. <laughs>